We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter, continuing a study, because uh, you may be wondering if it's your first time or if you're new to Telios, welcome. Uh, my name's Pastor Jim, and you may be wondering why Matthew 7, because we're studying through the Gospel of Matthew, and this is where we're at. This is where we left off about four weeks ago, and we're going to continue. Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20 is where we'll be this morning. Now, um, as we start out here, I want to ask you a question. Well, I want to tell you a story. So we're in Arizona, and it definitely felt like a vacation because, I said this at pre-service, I, we just kind of lost track of days. There's a few moments there where you just kind of go, what is today? Is it Monday or Wednesday? Or, and it's good. I mean, you, it's vacation. You know, you've kind of lost, there's nothing super pressing that you have to like go, 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 go. But there was something that did remind me, you know, that there's a world out there, and that's that my phone would occasionally, you know, there would be calls, and I'd be like, Oh no, here's another phone call. And there's a specific person that calls where I'm just like, oh no. Some of you are like, somebody from the church? Actually, no, no, it's not nobody from the church. Uh, and my uh, phone service, my provider, they have a, a feature, it's a free feature. And what they do is, well, what I looked at my phone, it was ringing and I, I rolled my eyes. And I was like, oh, no way. And I instantly like, Swipe the red hang up like, a, no, I'm not even, no message for you, right? Who is this person? It said scammer right on my phone. It said scammer. And so my phone provider will look at numbers that have been known to be scammer numbers. And if they happen to call me, they'll just put up, they'll put up on my caller ID scammer, which is great because I don't even have to answer at that point, right? I'm like, roll my eyes and go, no, I don't want to buy whatever you're selling. And then, you know, swipe over. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I appreciate that function. I appreciate the ability to tell that there's somebody that, that, that if I answered would want to try to scam me into something or out of something. Uh, mostly like my money is probably what it would be, right? So then you have to ask yourself this question, you know, have you ever been scammed? Have you ever been scammed? And, and if you have been scammed, what was that feeling like where you realized you'd just been taken? You just realized that a con man just gotcha, you know, and you were... You kind of roll back into it and you go, how did I get to this point? And how was I so gullible to make that? And then you feel horrible that, about yourself and then you feel angry at the person. You go back and forth, right? Well, um, today, Jesus is speaking to his followers and he loves his followers so much, his people so much, he wants to let them know that there are scammers out there, spiritual ones. And he wants to let them know that there's a way to recognize them and to deal with them. And so today's message, the title of today's message is Beware of Wolves. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, but let's pray and then we'll jump into the text for this morning. Papa, we thank you so much that you love us, that you have um, brought us here together. I thank you for second service and all the folks that you have here. I thank you that we are one part of your body and I thank you that our family is large. And the best part is that you're the head. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're the head of the church. We ask this morning uh, for you to teach us through your word. Holy Spirit, I need your power to do the task at hand. And so I pray for, Holy Spirit, your power to speak through me to each one of us, myself included. We want to hear God from you through your word. And we want to know what to do with what we hear. So please teach us. And show us the way that leads to life everlasting following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's read these passages. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. And then we'll talk about it. Jesus speaking. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Okay, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them, who's them, false prophets, you will recognize them by their fruits. Con artists and scammers don't just exist in the secular world, the world outside the church doors, but there are religious versions of con artists and scammers as well. They existed in Jesus' time and they exist today. 
And Jesus does not want his followers to be naive and think, oh, well, you know, it's the church and we're here and everybody that comes in just loves Jesus like I love Jesus and wants to grow. That's not true. And Jesus wants you to be aware of that. And he wants to tell you how you can determine whether somebody is a sheep or a wolf. Now, um, false teachers do come disguised. They come disguised looking like sheep. And that phrase, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing, I wonder where that came from. Well, you see it right here as Jesus is speaking about it. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And they're going to come from a direction that will throw people off because they will come from the direction of within the church. In other words, they look like a Christian, they talk like a Christian, aren't they Christian? And then you go, something's not quite right, and it's kind of like their long snout is poking out through their little sheep costume, or their tail is sticking out. It's kind of like the wily e. coyote, you know, roadrunner, as he puts on the little sheep thing, and he's got the zipper, you know, and he zips himself up, and he's like that. Their truth is that there are some wolves that come into fellowships that they're really um, poor wolves. What I mean is that they are right on the surface. You can tell like, uh, no, no. You may get the person that comes in and they just go from the man that comes into the church and they just go from young lady to young lady to young lady. Wolf. Wolf. Well, Jim, you're, you may be a bit harsh. No, <laughs> Wolf. If you've done this for a while, you start to go, why is this person here? And you start to go, are they here for an ulterior motive other than Jesus? Are they here to harm the flock, to lead people astray? You know, um, they come and and the, the wolves that are effective at being wolves, they come in very smooth way. They're really conniving and very convincing. They really look like a Christian. So I I was thinking about some things and ways that wolves that come into a church can try to fool people in a church. Here's a few things that I wrote down. One was um, they can mention their titles and their degrees. Hey, uh, I'm a pastor, by the way. Nice to visit your little church here in Arcata, but I'm a pastor. Did I say I was a pastor? Yeah, twice in five seconds. At that point, you know, the hairs on the back of your head may stand up a little bit and go, hmm, by the way, I have a degree. I've got this divinity degree. I went to this Christian college and I, and I did all these things. And, and again, just because somebody has a title and a degree doesn't mean that they're wolf. Please don't, don't be like, Pastor Jim said, if you have a title and a degree, get him, they're a wolf. Like, no, don't do that, please. That's not what we're going for. I'm just saying that sometimes what wolves can do is they can really um, press their credentials uh, it's also not very difficult to get a degree online or some piece of paper that said you did something online and you're now a pastor. Um, but they have no practical experience or any sound training. So just because somebody says they are, that's great. Talk is cheap. But it, you have to observe them and watch them. But, but yeah, sometimes people can just keep dropping the fact that they have a title and they have all these degrees because they're hoping that you will then be so amazed by how smart they are and holy they are because some piece of paper on a wall says it, that you will then listen to everything else that they say and just take it in without engaging your mind. In church, we should never do that. Should we engage people with our hearts? Yes, we should. And our minds? Yes, we should. The problem is when you disengage your mind and you just have your heart. And so then your heart's wide open going and you're looking going, I'm just going to try to see the benefit of this person. Yeah, wolves love it when people disengage their mind. Because it gives them an opportunity to infiltrate the flock of God and then to try to establish themselves and then to try to devour and feast. Um, here's another thing. So we talk about like titles and degrees is one way that a wolf can try to work their way in. Another one is Christianese. Wolves are really good at speaking Christianese. Oh yeah, I'll definitely pray for your brother and God will put a hedge of protection around you with the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory, hallelujah. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be wonderful and it's just like, praise hallelujah, it's great. Fantastic, great. You've been to church or you've watched Christian television a couple times. Wonderful, great. But I don't know you. And just because somebody can say the words, again, words are cheap because and you can say them without ever having the actions behind them. 
You know, you could have somebody that comes into a church and all of a sudden they're just like, listen, uh, I just want you to know, um, you know, the pastor said a lot of good things there, but if you really, if you really want God to hear your prayer, <laughs> at that point the hair should go up on the back of your head. Like, oh, it's like this one quick trick could get God to listen to your prayer. Like, this sounds like something I'd be clickbait on the internet. Like, are you kidding me? One quick trick? Like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, if you just, um, if you, if you pray this way, yeah, I've got this ministry that I'm doing. And if you, if you would feel like you could uh, maybe send some money our way, I think you could really do a, hold on a sec, what is this person doing? I heard this story about a church. It was a, a slightly larger church. It was outside of our country here. But this couple would come and they came to the church for like two or three weeks and they would uh, meet people in the restroom. And so the husband and the wife would be in the, the, the different restrooms there and they'd be like, hey, listen, so um, they were handing out stuff. Yeah. If you notice, our church doesn't have a bulletin board. Is that an accident? No, no, that's intentional. That's totally intentional. Because we're not here to publicize every single thing. Because, yes, there's lots of good things, but not every good thing is what we're called to do. That makes some people upset. I'm okay with that. Um, We would rather be focused on what God has us to do. And, yes, there's so many ministries, but I would want you to hear about those ministries from the front rather than you have somebody that goes, hey, come out the back door here. I want to tell you about this thing, this little side ministry. I just want to... Sorry, my snout's sticking out. I just... It's how it happens. It happens by a person trying to infiltrate, and then what they do is they try to draw a few people away and then try to convince them. Don't be naive, church. Be wise. Jesus is encouraging us to be wise. Don't get scammed or conned by somebody that sounds Christian but is not Christian. Um, I had a... I had a young man come up to me. This was in the first like year or two that I was here. And, and, you know, new church, moving from Arizona, family as young is challenging. There's, and there were some Sundays where, you know, you just kind of like... Oh boy, that was a, whew, I felt like work. And it looked like it, like I looked like, whew, you know. Uh, and uh, this young man came up and said, okay, listen, how you, you know, and, and I didn't know him that well. I knew enough about him to, let's just put it this way, the light wasn't green, the light was going towards yellow, <laughs> right? And I was like, okay. And, and I mean, and I didn't want to make a judgment call just yet, but I was just like, I just need to observe this person a little bit more. I'm not getting a totally like, peace about what our relationship is, my relationship with this other guy. But he came up, he said, hey, 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 so how are you doing? And it's one thing if somebody asks me how I'm doing and I've known that person for a while. If somebody that's like, hey, first week, hey, welcome, I'm I'm new to Telios here. Pastor, how are you doing? Doing well, which is the answer you're going to get if I only know you for one week, because I don't know you. Hold on, let me pour out my, you know, my heart and all the things that I'm working towards. And str- let me just pour that out with you, person that I don't know. But yet, what a wolf may try to do is they may try to come in and be like, hey, so uh, tell me all your challenges. Oh, I got somebody that'll listen to me. And then this person said something very interesting to me. Obviously, it sticks with me now five years later after they said it. Hey, listen, here's what I've noticed. This is what this person said to me. Pastor, this is what I've noticed about you. Nobody else here understands this, the weight of what you're going through. But I want you to know this. I understand what you're going through. We've gone from yellow to red. <laughs> like, oh, well, I appreciate your uh, perception. Bye now. <laughs> Be wise. Be wise. They're not going to come in the front door. They're going to come in the back door. They're going to try to climb over a fence. They're going to try to infiltrate, and you have to be wise Notice if somebody's trying to isolate you from the rest of the body of Christ. If somebody's like, hey, listen, so, you know, pastor talked about, you know, what Jesus says and all that other stuff, but um, I don't know, is Jesus really the only way? I would encourage you, if somebody ever says that to you, just be like, you know what, that's a great question. You stay right here. I'm going to go get one of the elders or the pastor, and you can please let them know what you just told me. At that point, you know what wolves tend to do? Run. They tend to run at that point because they're being exposed for who they are. Beware of people that pull you aside to have a conversation. And I want you to know this. This is, not, this is no, I'm not a perfect pastor. I, I'm aware of that and my wife is more aware of that. Um, <laughs> if you have an issue with me, I think that's actually going to be inevitable because I'm imperfect. I just would encourage you, have a conversation with me. Right? Spine, straight, talk to me, please. Don't murmur 
around because here's the thing. I know this. You wouldn't want people to do that if the roles were reversed. Have a conversation with somebody. If you have an issue or a misunderstanding or something's up, just talk to them. But don't, otherwise, here's what happens. If you're disgruntled and you don't actually talk to the person you have an issue with, don't be surprised if Satan sends somebody your way that's like, you have an issue with that person too? Me too. Let's talk about what a problem that person is. Careful. Be careful. Um, here's another thing. <laughs> wow. I'm way off my notes right now, but it's going to be great. So uh, how, can these, how can a wolf fool you? Tides, uh, tides, uh, titles and degrees. Speaking Christianese. And here's the other one. Hey, I came from this established large church. I came from this huge ministry. Therefore, everything I say next, just listen to. Please shut your mind off and just listen because I came from a large church. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It's actually very easy for a person to attend a large church and never be involved or approved by the leadership of that church. I mean, there are, you know, some people call them mega churches. I've been to, you know, a large church and I've been going there for years and years. And you probably know the senior pastor there, this name. Yeah, I know the senior pastor. Do you know the senior pastor? Well, I went to his church for years and years and years. That's great. You know what that could mean? That could mean, hey, I came in and I snuck into their overflow room, which is not even in the same building as the main sanctuary. And then I would leave afterwards. And I've done that for like three years. But yet they want to try to establish themselves and they try to like pad a resume, if you will. And they like to name drop and say all the things that they've done. When really, that doesn't matter. The question is, who are they? Oh, great, you went to this church. And sometimes what I'll do when somebody mentions, hey, I went, I'll ask this question, actually. Like, what church do you go to? Some of you have even recognized that I've asked you this question. What church do you go to? And what I'll do is I'll actually look up the church. I'm curious. I love looking up churches. There's been a few times where it's like, oh, yeah, I went to this church and really involved and all that. Oh, yeah, what church is it? Well, it's a really big one. Yeah, does it have a name? Really? Yeah, where is it? Well, it's, you know, it's down south. It means big, you know, a lot of churches down there. Yeah, yeah. Does the church have a name? Where exactly is it? Hey, let's, let me pull up Google Maps real quick. I love seeing where churches are. I love to... And so, there's been a few times where I've had some people squirm. Where it's like, well, I mean... I mean, I visited a few times. Oh, okay. You went from being there for years and years to you visited a few times. Which means you probably aren't involved at all. Don't be naive. And... Now, it's like, wow, well, Telios is quite a church. If you're, by the way, if you're first time to Telios, welcome. Light message, welcome. Beware of wolves. Here we are. This is what I don't want us as a church to become. All right, there's people, oh, that's a new person that's come in. Are they a wolf? <laughs> and you're just kind of like, like, you know, instead of the greeting time, you're like, hi. How are you? And you're just kind of like... I just want you to know, welcome to Telios, I don't trust you yet. Like, no, that's not, don't do that. Don't do that. This idea of like, well, how do you know who a wolf is? Here's the thing. The good shepherd, Jesus, will let you know. So you don't have to go on a wolf hunt. You don't have to do that. Jesus knows where they all are. And he will let the appropriate people know at the appropriate times. So that means I'm freed up to just love everybody? Yes, you are. Until they prove that they have ulterior motives to damage the flock of God. At which point they get the left foot of fellowship out the door. No, they do. They do. Here's the sad thing. There's some churches that are like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Uh, I don't care about hurting a wolf's feelings. I don't. A shepherd does not care. I'm an under shepherd. I don't care about hurting a wolf's feelings. And there have been a few people that they don't like me because of some things that I've said about them. They're like, fine, then I'll leave. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. Okay. And if you change your heart, you're always welcome to come back. But as long as you're here pitching your little agenda, you are not welcome to come here. Now, listen, I'm a lighthearted guy. I like to smile and everything's great until you try to attack the body of Christ. And then I'm not going to let up. I'm relentless. Because wolves tear apart churches. There have been fellowships where people are just like, oh, I'm just so kind-hearted, I'm just going to let them stay, and maybe they'll change. The wolf really hopes that you'll think that as he devours again and again and again. I don't care about hurting a wolf's feelings. By the way, if you're a wolf in here, leave. Leave. If you're somebody that isn't a Christian, or you're hurting you don't have any friends. You've been disappointed. You have a broken heart. You're welcome. Come on in. I'm glad to have you. 
But if you're a wolf, get out. See, just before this passage, Jesus taught that there's two ways. There's two paths that any person can be on. There's a wide path. It's easy to walk on and it goes downhill to destruction. And then there's this other path and it's a narrow path and it's difficult and it goes uphill and it leads to everlasting life. A wolf will point people down the easy, downhill, destructive path. Somebody who's a good shepherd or an under-shepherd will point people to a difficult, challenging life. Being a Christian is not an easy life. It's challenging. But it leads to everlasting life. And here's the cool thing about being a Christian. It's not that your problems go away. It's that you finally have hope and you have strength to overcome every single challenge that you will have in your life. See, the enemy wants to go, well, I want to tell you that there's an easy way where you have no problems at all. It's right down this wide road. Just walk. It's even easy to walk. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like it's pulling me. It is because it goes down. Beware of people that tell you. Beware of, of people who say they're Christians who just go, you know what, you're a Christian now? Your life is going to be totally easy from now on. I'm sorry, what? Do you not read the Bible? Because if I look at the disciples of Jesus, 11 of them were martyred. They loved Jesus and followed Jesus and they were willing to not deny him all the way to the point of them being killed for Jesus. That doesn't sound like an easy life to me. What about the 12th one? What about John? John lived in exile on this island of Patmos. He wrote the book of Revelation and the gospel of John. And it was lonely for him and it was difficult for him. Listen, being a Christian, it's not an easy life, but it's a life where you can be victorious over the biggest challenges that come into your your life. They could be death in the family, disappointment, struggles, physical pain, God is not going to leave you. And it's the promise and the hope of us as Christians that we have a Savior who will never leave us, leave us or forsake us. Beware of anybody that tells you that being a Christian is easy. And it's all about your comfort. And it's all about, you know, it's all just going to be a piece of cake from now on. Sorry, I just have to tell you, that's not what I've experienced in the last 20 years. The level of difficulty has been getting harder and harder the more I walk with Jesus. But here's what else increases the power of God and the peace of God in my life. Every time the challenge goes up, you know who's there to overcome the challenge? God. Well, life gets more challenging. God's like, watch this. Oh, look at this. God's always greater than my challenges and yours. So church, how can we tell if somebody's a wolf? I mean, what if like the hair is standing up on the back of your head or you're like, my red, you know, that green light with this person is going to orange. It's like past yellow and now it's going towards like orange to red. Uh, But is it just me? Maybe I'm seeing them the wrong way. How can I tell if somebody's a wolf or not? Isn't it great? Jesus tells us how you can recognize a wolf. He says, if you have your Bibles in Matthew 7, verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Wait, these wolves have fruit hanging off of them? In a sense, yes. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Let's take a look at this. Let's look at some grapes. Like you don't know what grapes look like. (laughs) There's grapes. Welcome to earth. There's grapes. Okay. Uh, Do these grow on, let's look at the thorns. Do grapes grow on thorns? It's a rhetorical question. No, they don't. The grapes are good teachers. The thorns are wolves. Does good fruit grow on thorns like this? No, no. And then he says again, Jesus again says, do figs, fruit in their part of the world, those are figs, do figs grow on thistles, right? And there's a, a couple, there's one picture of a thistle and let's just hold it right here. Look at that. Like a thistle. It's nice. It's kind of, it's got some color to it. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's kind of what a wolf is like at first. A little bit of flash, a little bit of pop, a little bit of color, a little bit of like, yeah. Except let's look at what happens to a thistle if we continue on. Beware wolves. Figs don't come from that. And so Jesus is saying, how do you recognize a wolf? You look at the fruit of their life. You look at what comes out of their life. You examine them. Wait, fruit, fruit, fruit. If you have a fruit tree or you've seen fruit trees, you get this with fruit. Fruit is really what we look for when you have a tree and it has some type of fruit. You're waiting for the fruit. You can be like, nice trunk. But nobody's really like, that tree has an amazing trunk. No, those are great branches. Yeah, those are nice leaves. If it's a fruit tree, you know what you're waiting for? Fruit. We went on vacation, we have a cherry tree in our yard, and wouldn't you know it, we're like, these are going to be ripe like a week before we get back, and then all the birds are going to have a party one morning and eat all of our cherries. 
That's what happened. Because fruit takes time to grow. When you're observing somebody, just realize this. I don't know if they're a wolf or not. It's going to take some time to observe. For some, the fruit takes a while to show. Well, they, they kind of look like it, it, it might be good. It might be good. Give it some time. And in time, things will show themselves. As a pastor, here's what I experience. I experience sometimes people come and they're really enthusiastic about serving at the church, which we love. That's great. But you have to use discernment because one person's enthusiasm because they just love Jesus and they understand that being a Christian means you are supposed to serve. Like that's part of being a Christian. Not everybody's enthusiastic to serve because they love Jesus. Some are because they're trying to get into the church and find an established position so from there they can launch their attack on the flock. See, for us at the church, we definitely want to make sure that a person is faithful. How do you do that? Well, we'll just rush it and find if they're faithful quickly. No, that's the cool thing about being faithful. It takes time. And so we watch people to see if they're faithful. Faithful when the times are good. Anybody can be faithful when it's good. Faithful when times are challenging. Faithful through seasons of life. Seeing how they love other people in the body of Christ. Seeing how they love their spouses if they're married and their children. And I'm not saying like we have like the teleos checklist to determine if you're not a wolf. And we're like, love their wife? Check. No, we don't have anything like that. It just comes with an observation over time. And here's the thing wolves hate. Wolves hate when you take time to observe them. Because the longer you observe them, the easier it is to figure out if they're a wolf or not. They want to get in quick. They want to come in and be like, hey, yeah, so listen, been at the church for like two weeks, really love you. That's always a phrase. It's like, you don't even know me and you love me? Mm. And I just want to uh, just say, I've got some gifts and talents. I've led worship at my large church. By the way, I'm a pastor. and I have a few degrees, <laughs> but you know, whatever. So uh, can I maybe uh, be a part of the worship team next Sunday? Yeah, about that. We have a process that we do. You can meet with our worship leader, Brian. He directs all of our worship leaders and... Uh, and uh, definitely we've got a little application. At that point, you start to go, well, there's a bunch of steps. There's a bunch of safeguards. There's a... Yeah, and then you know what? I'm telling you, this has happened multiple times in the few years I've been here. Then the person just kind of, we don't see him anymore. Now, is that to say they're a wolf? No, they may just not want to stick in and be faithful and operate under the system that we have here at Telios. But you know what? I would rather have it based on people who are being faithful because then you know that they truly love Jesus because you've watched them over time and you've seen the fruit, good fruit, come up in their lives. I would encourage that for you too. When you're looking at somebody, you don't have to necessarily make a snap judgment on them. Just watch them, observe them, and love them throughout. But God will show you in time. Jesus said you can tell by their fruit. <clears throat> so um, there's somebody that I'm questioning. I'm wondering you know, whether or not they're a wolf or not. How can you tell? I mean, how can you tell that I'm not? If it's your first time or second time or, you know, if it's your fourth time here, then I've been gone for three weeks. I don't expect you to be like, hey, I'm going to listen to everything this guy says and follow it. You shouldn't. You should not. If I say something's coming out of the Bible, you should, with your eyeballs, look at the Bible and see if what I'm saying is true or if I just paraphrase or change the entire verse to make it be something I want it to say. You got to do your homework. So if you're new, I don't expect you to trust me or do any of that. I mean, I think that's reasonable. But you should be listening and you should be going, hmm, God, give me some insight. Give me some insight. And you should apply this with anybody who opens the word of God. So here's some ways that you can determine if somebody has good motives or not, whether they're you know, sheep and part of the fold of Jesus or if they're a wolf. One, their doctrine. Two, their lifestyle. Doctrine and lifestyle. Doctrine. What does that mean? What they believe. Listen to what they believe as they talk. Listen to what they say is important and what life is all about and what life is meant to be lived for. Listen to their doctrine. Listen to where they say the power comes from. Does the power come from the universe? Or does it come from Jesus? The Holy Spirit indwelling. Is it, listen, you're a good person. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're dead spiritually. Listen to a person's doctrine, what they say they believe. And then here's the second thing. Look at their lifestyle and see how they live their life. All that to say, please don't be staring in my windows at my house. I'd really appreciate it if you don't do that. But here's what I mean. You get to know somebody over some time. You see them at the store around town dealing with other people, dealing with people at the church. 
you can see, are they consistent in how they interact with people? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit as they speak to people? Do they represent Christ? You should be doing this, it should be part of your life because you have your eyes open and you have your mind engaged. You know, um, the lifestyle one I think is really important here because does a person who's teaching the Word of God, does their life represent a life of sacrifice? Does their life represent a life like their Savior? Because the life of a Christian is not an easy life. Or are they always trying to fulfill and satisfy their own needs? Are they trying to, here's a phrase, fleece the flock? What does that mean? That means steal from God's people so that they themselves can get rich. Because wolves do that. Um, Romans 16, 17 and 18. Look at this on the screen here. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Don't be naive. Look at how a person lives their life. There was this guy, Simon, a sorcerer. He was into the occultic arts. And he saw Peter and other disciples um, with the power of God in their life. And they would be able to pray for somebody and the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon this person. So Simon, the occultist, the sorcerer, was watching this and he's like, I want God's power. So look what he did in Acts 8, verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, "Um, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Look at Peter's line. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. May your money die with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Beware of the person that tries to buy themselves into God's favor or God's giftings. It doesn't work that way. God is not going to be used by people like that. Um, I, I, I came across, there's so many stories and there's a lot of heartbreaking stories for sure. But one of them, um, you can look this guy up. His name is Creeflo Dollar. I'm not kidding you. He goes by the name Pastor or the title Pastor. I wouldn't use that though. But Creeflo Dollar, Dollar, D-O-L-L-A-R. I think a pastor with the last name Dollar or Cash might be somebody you, you, you observe a little closer, but okay. So Creeflo Dollar told his, his church body, listen, um, there's videos that you can see on YouTube. It's, it made my stomach turn and it made me so angry. Because there's people going, there's statements like this. Listen, it all comes down to, in the Bible, God talks about seed. And God only responds to seed. He doesn't respond to fasting. He doesn't respond to prayer. And I'm just like, okay, we've gone from green all the way through yellow to red and it's blinking. God only responds to seed. And what seed is, is your money. You give a seed of your money and God has to respond. And I'm just going, you wolf. And, and here's the thing. When people disengage their mind and only operate on their heart, well, oh, he's been my pastor for so many years and he's so charismatic and so um, outgoing and just, I mean, how can all these people be wrong? And then all of a sudden it's like he starts talking and, and there was, it was a, a raised stage, like multiple steps. And he's like, and he's just like, money to me, money. And, there, and I'm watching thousands of people doing this. Money is mine. Money is, I'm going, I don't blame a single person who's not a Christian who looks at that and goes, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with that. Because here's the thing, I don't want anything to do with that because that's not Christianity. And then as people are coming up, they're putting money on the steps. And he's like, money, come on, where's your seat? And he's, the money is flying at his feet as he's kicking through it. As people are coming up and putting more money on these steps. Jesus wasn't lying when he said that they're wolves. And they're looking to ravage the body of Christ. They're looking to come in. You know, it's not only that, there was a, a man, um, his name's Michael uh, Walrud Jr. He's the senior pastor of First Corinthian Baptist Church in Harlem, New York. 
And um, it was after their greeting time, kind of like what we do here. And then what their church body does is they read a, an affirmation statement, right? And so it's, you know, just where they as a church stand. And it's a fairly generic statement, nothing about God or Jesus or, or the Bible in there at all. It's just more feel-good stuff up on the screen. But before he read it, he goes, listen, this affirmation statement or this statement we have here, you know, if you're Muslim or you're Buddhist or whatever, um, you can say this too because it really applies to everybody. I'm like, and again, green light, yellow light. I'm at yellow now going, what's this guy talking about? He's like, listen, you know, there's people that say that, you know, if you don't you know, believe in Jesus, then you are going to hell. And I just think that that's insanity. And I'm going, I, and I'm talking now. I'm like, I think what you just said is insane. He's like, you know, because Jesus never really said that. And I'm going, yes, he did. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said he is the one door that leads to God. No other doors get there. So I'm listening to a man say, I think it's insanity to say that if you don't accept Jesus that you're going to hell. I don't know what Bible you're reading. And then, and this was, he, there was no notes. He was kind of speaking off the cuff, which I was just going, how are you getting here? And he said, listen, regardless of what your background is, here's what I want you to know. I affirm, however, what's more important than Jesus is God. So if you love God, then it doesn't really matter how you get there because I, um, I just want to say that I endorse you and I support however you want to get there. And I'm going... There's only one door, man, that leads to God. It's Jesus. And Jesus said it. His church has 10,000 people in it. Church, don't be naive. There's a, another, I mean, there's some names here that I'm definitely mentioning. And, and some of you may have read some books here. You may have seen some videos. And you may like some of these folks. And that's fine. If you're going to leave the church, then you know, leave Talios and be like, that Jimmy's a fool and I think he's just judgmental about these people. All I'm saying is what they've said, which you can see with your own eyes and hear with your ears, and I want you to compare it to what Jesus said. I will take what Jesus says over any other person. And if a person says something contrary to what Jesus says, hmm, I'm following Jesus. There's a man who sold plenty of books and talked about how you can live your best life now. Has a large church in Texas. His name's Joel Olstein. Oh, so you've heard of him. Um, remember, I said, when you look at a person's fruit, like Jesus just said here, you're going to have to look at, it takes a little bit of time. You look at what they say, and you look at how they live their life. And so, for Joel Olstein, there was a question that was given. Larry King, you can look this up on YouTube. Larry King interviewed him twice. And Larry King, as he's interviewing him, says, what about um, a Muslim or what about a a Buddhist or, you know, uh, as far as Christianity goes? And like Larry King's like spoon feeding him these like questions. It's an easy answer. He goes, you know, well, are they going to go to heaven? You know, would they be saved based on what Jesus says? And I'm like, all he has to say is, well, what the Bible says is there's only one way to God and it's through Jesus. He doesn't have to go, I feel, I think, I would say, but that's exactly what he said. And he didn't use the Bible at all. All. And he said, well, I just want to say that who am I to say where a person's going to end up? But you're a pastor. You should know the Bible. What are you doing sitting there? And it's like, you know, I just don't want to. And, and so, then there was another interview a few years later with Larry King. And so and he, he revisited it again going, so what about, um, you know, the devil? And what about, you know, and it's like, well... I don't really like to use those terms. Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what I think. All we should care about is what Jesus says. So like, let's just put personal opinion aside for just a moment. What does God say? Can we please just talk about that at church? How's about that? And for him to just go, well, I don't, you know, I'm not here to say, he kind of repeated, I'm not here to say, you know, where a person's going to go based on how they feel about Jesus. I think that, you know, everybody has to make their way. And I'm just going, the wide path that leads to destruction. So then, this is the best part of this interview, a lady calls in. She was gracious. She said, well, Joel, I appreciate your outgoing demeanor and all of that. Hey, but I'm just curious why you sidestepped Larry's question just a moment ago. And I'm like, 
She said, the Bible's very clear. I'm like, preach it, sister. She's just busting out Bible verses going, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And he's like, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I'm like, nobody cares if you can see what she's saying. Where do you stand? Do you stand where Jesus stands? Another interviewer had a conversation with him and said, you seem to really have a problem with the D word, the S word, and the H word. And he's all, She's all devil, sin, and hell. He's like, I don't like to use those terms. You know who does use those terms? Jesus uses those terms. It's really weird. This is something that should should get you on alert. When you come across somebody who says they're a Christian, but they don't like talking about Jesus, worry. Because if you get Jesus wrong, you've got everything wrong. If somebody says that they're a Christian, it means that they're the bride of Christ, right? So it'd be like, I've got my wedding ring on, and somebody comes up and goes, hey, I see you've got your wedding ring on. Yes, I do, I do. So tell me about your spouse. Well, my spouse is a person that, I mean, and it depends on how you feel about my spouse. Do you see what's happening? Like, if, if, if you're Christian, you're the bride of Christ. He's your husband. You're married to him. You should want to talk about your spouse. If somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, tell me about that ring on your finger. And you start to go, well, I don't don't want to really offend you. Uh, I'm offended that you're not talking about the person you're married to because you say you are. A Christian that's afraid to talk about Jesus, are you ashamed of Jesus? Well, I don't know how other people will feel about him. Don't worry about how they feel. Talk about your great love for him if you truly love him. We live in a society that like, people have the skin of a jellyfish. They're so afraid. It's like, your spine, stand up straight and share the truth. Don't be afraid because there's a world of people that are dying because they're not being told the truth. They're being told that if you throw your money at some stage and some guy dances all over it, that you helping buy his $60 million private jet, not a false story, that you somehow are going to get ahead with God. God doesn't need to be bribed because God already loves you. There's nothing you can give God that he already doesn't have physically. Like he needs your money. Like is God poor? If your God is poor that you have to give him money, you have to. Not that you want to. You have to like to keep him supported. (laughs) Then let me tell you, your God's not very powerful. The God that I follow, the God of the Bible, he owns everything. Everything. So to be clear, there are false teachers out there. There are wolves out there. Could you imagine? There are good Bible teachers in our community. I want you to know. I know some of them, and I'm just totally blessed to know them, and and they are an encouragement to me. At the same time, there are wolves in our community. Our community is actually pretty ripe for wolves. Because we're all just trying to find God, right? We're all here to just try to find <laughs> that one pastor, the one that said, um, the one that said, that there's multiple ways to get to God, and I, I affirm however you get to God. He also said something that just struck me. This was uh, Michael uh, Walron Jr. of First Corinthian Baptist Church. He said, um, he said, I read an article, and it talked about how the universe needs you, and I just want you to know this morning that the universe needs you. And I'm like, baloney. First of all. Universe, what are you talking about? It's a created thing. Stop talking about that. How about we talk, we'll go one step back and talk about the person who created the universe. Let's talk about God. God needs you. Here's the truth. This may burst your bubble. God doesn't need any single, any one of us. God does not need me. He loves me. He wants me. He wants you. He loves you. But never get it confused to think that God somehow will fall apart if you aren't around. And I'm listening to this guy say, I read this news article and it said the universe needs you. So church, I want to tell you that you matter because the universe needs you. And I'm like, God's son's name is Jesus. Use his name. Don't be afraid. He wouldn't do it. And then he said, okay, let's open up in the gospel of John. And I was just like, I can't watch any more of this. Like I'm done. How can you, how can you with one side teach the word of God and the other side just go, there's lots of doors to get to God. Church, don't fall for a liar. And the only way you'll know the truth is by reading it yourself and knowing it yourself. You know, I, uh, (laughs) 
I've got uh, quite a few more pages, but it's okay because um, Jesus is going to talk more about wolves and false teachers as we continue in the Gospel of Matthew. So we'll get to some of these other verses in a second. Let me just say this. If somebody comes to our fellowship or somebody's around and you just start to go, I've just got, an in- I just got a funny feeling about them, that's fine. Just talk to one of the elders. Talk to Joe or John or Brian or myself or one of the worship leaders. Just talk to one of us and just go, hey, listen, heads up. I just don't know um, where this person's at, but I just, I don't know. I just got a feeling and I felt like I just needed to mention it to you. Great. No problem. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. And that actually happens over the years. That's happened quite a bit. I'll get texts from people like, hey, Jim, do you know about this thing that's happening? And kind of smile and go, yes, thank you so much for telling me. And I was aware of it. And I appreciate you looking out for the flock of God. And I just really appreciate that. See, here's the thing. If the sheep are looking around going, hey, we love each other, right? Right, we love each other. We love our good shepherd, not me, Jesus. We love Jesus, right? Jesus is awesome. And he's got a, an okay under shepherd. You know, Jim's holding it together. Fine, great. But boy, we just love the body of Christ, right? It's great. The body of Christ that talks together, that loves each other, that prays for each other, that cares about each other, that's a place that a wolf is going to have a very hard time finding a place to start. I heard this analogy and it came from um, a person that was talking about, you know, keeping weeds out of your grass. And in Arizona, it's, it's a little bit of a feat to have, have a lawn. You know, we had a small one in our backyard that our kids would play on when they were younger. And man, it was a nice lawn and it didn't have any weeds in it, like a lot of pesticides and chemicals and stuff. No, no here's the thing. You feed the grass and you keep the grass healthy and it crowds out the weeds. The weeds don't have any room to grow because the grass is so healthy. Church, what we're looking to do here at the Telios Christian Fellowship is that you would be well-fed, loved, cared about, that you wouldn't be isolated, that you wouldn't pull yourself away so that wolves wouldn't have a chance. I really pray that our church will continue to be a church where a wolf comes in and they go, I can't find a space to get in here. They're going to, that person's already looking at me. I'm going to get out of here now. Again, don't be weird toward new visitors. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying... Um, engage your mind, engage your heart. And if you have a question about somebody, ask God first. And if you feel like you need to have another conversation, talk to one of us. We'd love to talk about it and just, you know, maybe you're wrong, maybe you're right, but let's just talk about that. All right, we got a lot of uh, things to talk about here, but um, I want to close on this point because we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross um, because Jesus, talk about, you know, life being easy as a Christian, tell that to Jesus who suffered for us so that we could know God personally. I want to put up this uh, <clears throat> phrase, and it's, uh, it's Jesus plus nothing. And I want you to understand, if you're saved, this is how you're saved. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Your salvation is what Jesus did on the cross plus nothing else that you have done. You didn't do anything to get saved other than accept what Jesus did. You didn't work your salvation. You didn't make your salvation happen. Jesus did all of the work on the cross. Salvation, this is a Christian truth. Salvation is Jesus plus nothing. Beware if somebody comes to you and says, yeah, yeah, Jesus is great, but you know what you also need? At that point, watch out. See, because somebody, you can have everything in this world, and the person who's rich, billionaire, has got everything that they want. If they have everything, but they, have, they don't have Jesus, then really what they have is nothing. And they'll realize that at the end of their life, as they realize where the wide road they've been walking on leads. Church, we must be wise, but not only do we need to be wise, we need to have the heart to love people who don't realize the road that they're on. And we have to have the heart to care for them And we need to be watching out for folks that try to make it Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus your works. Jesus plus your giving. Jesus plus your church attendance. That's what makes sure you're saved. I have people come to me all this time and, you know, I think they're sincere in what they say. They're just confused. But they're this idea like, you know, you could lose your salvation. And I bring this up to them all the time. I go, how were you saved? What did you do to be saved? And the answer is, well, I didn't do anything. Jesus did it all on the cross. Okay, so Jesus did all the work. Now, how did you lose it? Because you didn't earn it. How did you lose it? And this is what I love to ask people who think that, oh, well, you know, a person can lose their salvation. They're always a joy to be around those kind of people because they're just like, you got to be careful. If you're not like walking with Jesus, if you're not like you're every second of your life going exactly, then you may not be saved and you may go to hell. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a second. I love to ask people that think that way this. I go, hey, are you saved? And they're like, well, yeah. How about now? Yeah, how about now? 
Yeah, how about now? The point is, if I just keep asking, how about now, aren't we going to get to a moment where you fall short and then you're not saved anymore? And then I'll ask you, how about now? Well, I am now. Well, how about now? And see, the thing is, for a person that feels that they're going to lose their salvation, here's the reality. The reality is they have no assurance of salvation. They live this panicked life where they're like, I hope I don't do too many bad things. If I do too many bad things, I may go to hell. You didn't get saved by anything you did or didn't do. You got saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross was effective, final, complete. Don't let any lying wolf come and tell you that Jesus' work needs your help. Jesus is God. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, in his last breath, he said, tetelestai, which means it is, what does it mean? Finished. It's finished. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you this question. Are you a Christian? Being a Christian isn't about all you've done for God. Being a Christian is you humble yourself and you go, I, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short. I know who I am. When nobody else is looking, I know who I am. And I need, a, I need somebody to save me from myself. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, if you've never humbled yourself and said, I need your help, You could be in a Christian family. Your grandma could bring you to church and all that other stuff. That doesn't mean you're saved. You have to personally ask Jesus into your own heart because you realize your desperate need for a Savior. If you need to do that, I want to give you the opportunity. Our worship team is going to come on up. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're listening on the radio or you're listening on the internet, I just want you to know the Lord loves you and this message is just as much applying to you as anyone sitting right here. If you need Jesus, then you can ask him into your heart. You can pray a prayer like this. If you'd like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to become a Christian, pray this to Jesus. He's listening. He's always been listening to you. Dear Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm a mess. I'm imperfect. I fall short. I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me from myself. Jesus, I believe that you went to a cross and you died for me. And I believe that you forgave me of all of my sins. Jesus, help me to walk in the right way. Help me to walk on the narrow path that leads to everlasting life. And help me to bring as many people along with me as I can. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for making me a Christian. I love you, Jesus. Amen.